Rita Zenwa Akoro, what an absolute pleasure speaking to this woman. She is inspiring. Uh, her light, it, it glows. Her, her, uh, her, her, her demeanor, her passion is 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 magnetic. Uh, she is. Are you ready for this? Um, the reward. She she's Nigerian. She does grassroots. She everything is. Everything that she does is through arts, through the arts. She's President Barack Obama's Mandela Washington Fellowship uh, for Young African Leaders Award recipient, the Lago State Government Youth Development Award, the Extraordinary Women's Award in France, the Next Generation Leaders Award, the United Nations Intercultural Innovation Award-winning Street Project Foundation recipient just an incredible woman. She had an epiphany when she was 18 years old and she was in a play and something just incredibly magical happened that really transformed her. She later, when she graduated, she graduated young. Her, her thesis really propelled her into her, into her movement, into helping the youth. What's happening in, in Nigeria is absolutely fascinating right now. The advent of the internet and uh, you're gonna you're gonna learn what Nollywood is. Nollywood. Have you ever heard the term Nollywood? You'll you'll learn what that is. Uh, just absolutely fascinating, and what motivates her, and how she defines success, and how she views discipline from her perspective. She associates it with so many great, great, great things. I just. I, it's just such, when I heard that she accepted the invitation to, to speak with me, I was so excited, and it's just a wonderful conversation. I hope one day to meet face-to-face -face with her and her husband and have a cup of coffee, and just uh, her, her newest book, you'll have to get as well, incredible, uh, doing, being, becoming. Uh, you're really going to enjoy uh, Rita, Rita Azenua Akoro. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change, discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It will be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. 
Miss Rita uh, Zenwa Okoro, such a pleasure to meet you. Uh, What should we know? Uh, You know, I'm just speaking from, you know, an an American's perspective. What should we know about Nigeria? You're a grassroots organizer. There's, There's so much that we should understand there. What should we, what should we understand better? About Nigeria or about myself? <laughs> about yourself and Nigeria, both. Okay, so I'll start, I'll start with Nigeria, um, first of all. Um, Nigeria is such a robust, large, black continent. A very intelligent, smart, and vivacious people. It is made up of people of over um, 250 who speak over 200 and, and who speak over 500 languages and who are made up of over 250 ethnic groups. So that's really large. Yeah. So um, it's amazing. And, and, 70% of, of, or 60 to 70% of our population are made up of young people below the ages of 35 years. Wow. So it's young, it's vibrant. Um, we've got 36 states um, and we've got the North, the South, the, the East and the West. And um, our diversity is what makes us who we are makes us very unique people and being a Nigerian who comes from a minority group called Edo state um, we speak a language called Esa Um, and um, growing up in one of the largest cities in the world Lagos state (laughs) it has shaped who I am and who I am becoming and I'm just excited to talk about that. Hmm. And uh, your your youth is is fascinating. You talk about you have a great arts background. So you have this great story about you're 18 years old. You're doing this play, Makuno Melody, or the, the wife of the. <laughs> uh, you have a great story, which kind of gives birth to to what your what your future is going to hold. Please explain. My people, we need a change of leadership. Oracle or no Oracle. <laughs> that's, that the line in, <laughs> that's the line in Mekunu yeah. Melody. Um, and I was just 18 years old and um, saying those lines. And I probably didn't know that I was going to become the activist that I am I am now and I am becoming, and not just an activist, but a performance activist. And with a background in creative arts um, and my journey from, from childhood to now and exposure to play and performance has um, helped evolve um, my thinking. But I really didn't know this as a child. It's usually, you know, in hindsight, when you begin to reflect, why is Rita the way she is right now? Why am I able to accomplish this much? What were the things that I did in my youth that is impacting in my 40s? 
and is impacting on the way that I relate with people and impacting on how I respond um, to my emotions. You know, um, I guess that's where re response ability comes from, um, which is really very critical when we're talking about discipline. How do you respond to what goes on around you? And the creative arts is just so fantastic. I, I'm just so in love with the creative arts because of, of the capacity to teach you, um, in, you know, critical thinking. So when you mm. teach people improvisation, you are actually unconsciously teaching them critical thinking skills. Mm. And when, when you're teaching drama and performance, you are unconsciously teaching people communication skills, confidence building. Um, and when you're working in a team and learning how to draw and paint and create and design things together, you're teaching people team building skills. And the beauty of it is it is unconscious learning. It is what I call the not knowing growing process, um, which our young people across the world need for their development. How do we create an environment where young people are placed in a position where they are doing the things that they love and in doing what they love, they are they are developing life skills that are necessary for the world of work that are necessary for leadership, that are necessary for survival, that are necessary for activism, that are necessary for government, that are necessary for polity and politics. Um, that's why I'm so in love with, with the creative arts and, and my book, Doing, Being, Becoming for the Love of the Creative Arts speaks so well about, about that experience. Yeah, and in your book, you you talk about that first experience that you have when you, you know, you said you you brought out your inner Martin Luther King, I believe you said, and you you know you gave the uh, you said Oracle or no, you know we have to make a change, and um, you know in the states we we don't value, I guess it's hard to say, some value the arts more than others. Uh, I certainly do. I'm a big believer in it, but you obviously see it in, in your, in your light, in your energy, uh, just as, as, as fundamental to growth as to, you address mental health awareness in your book. You, you address, you know, positive thinking and confidence all through art and the, the whole idea of learning while not, while you don't think you're learning. It's a, it's a, it's a very interesting approach. I wonder how, how others can adopt that and, and really grow our societies. Yeah, um, and I think the one of the reasons I think the way I do is because I come from a society where young people are deprived of a lot. Mm. Um, a lot of young people have lost their childhood and do not even know how to play. Mm. I was fortunate um, to have grown up in a family um, that could put food on my table, could take me to school and have a roof over my head. This is not the case for 60% of the people in Nigeria. Wow. And so a lot of the leaders of today 
are leaders who lost their childhood. And the childhood um, is really a period for development, a period where you should be exposed to play and performance and make believe because a lot happens in the child's mind, even scientifically, there are proven studies to show what happens to a child between the ages zero to seven. And I hit all of these milestones. I mean, I was exposed to a satellite dish before I turned seven. And so I was, I was exposed to a world outside of Nigeria at a young age. And so now, it really, when you think about it now and me being a global citizen, it makes a lot of sense because I was exposed to it very early. And my book talks about the importance of exposure for every child and that it's not a luxury. It is a necessity that we expose our young people to as much information that's healthy for them and healthy for their development. And the creative arts affords us that opportunity. I mean, imagine what young people can do with the exposure to music. Um, and music in itself is both a science and an art. <laughs> I remember um, when I had to study the ethno, uh, ethnomusicology, they call it, or music as therapy or music as, as medicine, um, it exposes you to quite a lot. And um, one of the charts that I give in my book is that you need to think of yourself um, as a parachute. Um, it only functions when it is open. And even when I work with young people, I talk to them about opening up their minds because only then can we then have conversations with people across borders from a perspective of understanding the different dimensions of who they are because um, we the conflicts we have in the world today are based on a lot of the single stories that we hear through the media or through assumptions or through what we're fed on social media. Mm. But exposure, um, which creative arts affords us, um, helps a young person's mind open up to the, the various facets of, of, of human being and be able to negotiate, have conversations, understand people, develop empathy, um, uh, also develop the ability to collaborate with one another and co-create the world that they want to see um, evolve. Um, and so for me, it's just, um, it's just amazing. So coming off that background of deprivation uh, has brought me to this point where I have committed my life to making sure that young people who do not have the means are exposed to the power and, and, and um, of the creative arts and what it can do for their development. And you're being extremely, extremely humble. I mean, President Barack Obama's uh, 
Mandela Washington Fellowship for Young African Leaders Award, the Lago State Government Youth Development Award, the Extraordinary Women Award in France, the Next Generation Leader Awards, the um, the United Nations Intercultural Innovation Award winning Street Pro Project Foundation. Uh, Miss Rita, I mean, it's it's not only are you you're dedicating yourself, dedicating your life to, to youth and to this movement, but you're being, you know, you're being well, you're being recognized. It's, and um, I, I, I've watched your video. And by the way, you mentioned music and you have these great music intros where you're just celebrating and letting everything soak in. And then you develop your message and, and your, your, your light shines. I'm going to keep saying that it's just, it's magnetic. Your energy is, is very, very contagious. So what, what made you let, let's let's just talk about the youth movement about about um you, uh, these articles where you have hundreds of, of children coming into your program and and let's talk about just how did you do that why did you start it and how is that going and can we help yes yes thank you so much joey for for, for saying that i started this movement as a youth myself so it wasn't as if I, I, I came in being an adult who's seen what's happening. I'm, I'm an insider. <laughs> mm. I started out as an insider who understood from the perspective what was going on around me. Um, the creative arts space um, had a big void. <laughs> Um, and, and that void also had to do with the infrastructure available for young people to express themselves. Fortunately, I studied creative arts in the university. Um, and my, my father would call me uh, undergraduate kekere. Um, in Yoruba, what that means is very young undergrad because <laughs> uh. I, I went to school I, I went to university at age 16 and graduated at 20 um, my first degree and it was in creative arts and my thesis was on epic theater and I remember vividly the very last line of my thesis I said I do not believe in art for art's sake I believe that art should be used for social transformation. Hmm. Apparently, I never knew that that, <laughs> that dissertation was going to become the basis on which um, my, my life's work evolved hmm. because that has been the basis of everything that I'm doing is because of that belief that art can be used for social transformation. So, um, and I say all of this in my book as well, doing being, be, doing being and Becoming for the Love of the Creative Arts. And I talk about the history of how, you know, I, I was a part of a youth group during my youth service, um, mandatory youth service year, where I became um, the vice president of a music unit for our community development program and and how that evolved into me saying there's something in this and I had to evolve that model um, 
And, and so after, you know, the youth service year and just thinking, how do I respond to the, the void um, that is um, youth development in Nigeria? seeing that we have a dilapidated national arts theater and seeing that we do not have youth centers or resource centers or creative arts centers in local government areas. I'm talking about local government would be, um, uh, would, I, would that be aerial councils? Um, but small community community spaces or community theaters where young people can go and express themselves. We don't have them. We don't have them in Nigeria. Um, and so it only makes sense that when a young person comes and says, I want to study creative arts or I want to make a career of music, dance, drama, visual arts, that a parent wouldn't see promise or wouldn't see a, a bright future for their children. Mm. And as such, anything that has to do with the creative arts is looked down upon. And this was um, in the early 2000s. Um, and this was when I was like, we have to be able to create some meaning for creative arts within a space like Nigeria where creative arts is not seen as essential work. And so we then decided to explore going out to the streets and recording <laughs> young people who just wanted to express themselves. Um, and thanks to technology, mobile phones and all of that, we're able to, do, to, to run this project, um, which we called Project Roar, two years in a row. Um, and we'll upload the videos at the back end and we will then shortlist and invite these young people from across Lagos State to a space and teach them about performance for two days. And then we would have a talent hunt competition where three of the winners not only went home with a cash prize, but also had a one-year mentorship program with a veteran in the creative arts field. Um, wow. And the truth is, at the end of the day, one of the com um, um, comic sensations we have in Nigeria today um, called Josh Too Funny evolved from this program. And now he's a global sensation. Uh, <laughs> and so that's how it started. And all of these kids were all from grassroots um, were grassroots kids from low-income backgrounds who just wanted to express themselves, didn't know how, and didn't even know that they could develop their soft skills through that process and were brought into the space and matched with mentors who became mentors for a lifetime for them and helped them move to the next level of their lives. But this program evolved from being a competition to now being a boot camp where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people now um, um, come together. Um, and for six weeks, for 
four weeks, for three weeks, for different kinds of programs. And their skills are sharpened and honed. They're matched with mentors. They're placed on internships. Now there's a whole skill from, or would I say a whole um, funnel from training to to eventual placement in, in, in jobs and eventual becoming leaders of, of, of movements like the Arts Vocacy Movement, which we currently run and is a new project of Street Project Foundation, where young people are, are, know what it is to become um, 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 active citizens of the country or are participating in politics by using their art to advocate for the social issues that they care about. So it's it's just amazing how it's evolved, but it has required a lot of commitment, dedication, sacrifice. Oh, so much sacrifice to do this. Really? And above all, it is, is something that I'm passionate about and that I love. Um, if you wake me up every day, I'm ready to, to do this. And um, my work, like you had mentioned, has given me so much global recognition that just recently in August, I got appointed um, the executive director of Global Play Brigade, which is a bigger movement um, that believes in the power of play and performance for human development. And so now, not only am I thinking about um, expanding the scope of play and performance for, for development um, at a grassroots level, but now I'm looking at it from a global lens and how to make it mainstream. But what, what we need right now is, and I'm advocating for that, especially in Nigeria, is to make sure that every community has a creative arts center where young people can express themselves and can go through the process of their not knowing growing so that they can be and um, become and continue doing without procrastination. Um, hmm. That way we're able to raise leaders who can transform our nation and our world. You mentioned in the 2000s how it was unpopular, almost looked kind of down upon you know, performing, and then there was kind of this emergence, and it's changed now. What what happened there? What was the transformation? What was, what? Why did it happen? Do you think? Uh, music hmm. and Nollywood, um, and the internet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know that second term you said, Nollywood. Yes. So you know, in in the U.S., you have Hollywood. Yes. In Nigeria, we refer to it as Nollywood, meaning <laughs> Nigerian Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. In India, they have Bollywood. Bollywood, yes. Yes. So now we have uh, Bollywood, Nollywood, and Hollywood. <laughs> very interesting. Yes, and so, the so of music and and the, and wow. So now Nigerian music and films have become popular. And why have they become popular? There are many factors. Um, we've definitely, we've got Africans in diaspora who crave for, for, for home. And music and drama and films are 
the best ways to be able to con connect with home, even if you are thousands of miles away from home. Um, and so that also evolved the streaming platforms, unique streaming platforms um, that not only people within the African continent consume now, <laughs> it's all over the world now, um, such that we have the likes of Bonoboy um, winning um, a Grammy Award um, and Two-Face Edibia winning the BET Awards back in the day. And so it has become popular, um, just like football <laughs> has, has, is a huge sensation. So if it, your child came and said, I want to, I want to be a professional footballer and you see the talent or basketballer, you'll let them do that. So I think we're gradually getting to that point where, um, where it's acceptable now to say, I want to make a career out of it. We're not there yet, but we're definitely not where we used to be. And um, I believe it has to do with a lot of the efforts that I have been putting in together with my team within the mm. creative space, alongside lots of other people within the creative industry who have been pushing for many years. And people even before me who've been pushing for, for many years um, to make sure that creative arts is acceptable and seen as essential work. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned football. I'm a big football soccer fan, and, and Nigeria <laughs> has always been an African, you know, powerhouse. Always, and there's great yeah. players that are playing up in Europe, and that's right, uh, that, are, that are Nigerian. <laughs> many, many, many. And so, what needs to? So, it's fascinating to me that. The advent of streaming services and, you know, being able to make films and, and music and you mentioned a comedian, all this and the Internet, of course, where we can now where distance doesn't matter anymore. We can all share this information. What needs to happen now to, to even go further? So um, some of this I mentioned in my book, Doing, Being, Becoming for the Love of the Creative Arts and um one of the things I mention, especially um, in Nigeria, is access to internet. It's still mm. expensive to stream in Nigeria. It's it's only uh, if if you've got the means, then you can do that. Um, and a lot of our young people are creating content. Um, I don't know whether you've ever seen the content of the Ikorodu boys. Um, what they do is they take previews of um, Hollywood blockbusters and they try to reenact them in grassroots way um, using recycling all sorts of things so they could turn the cars into a wheelbarrow they would it's all fun and it's kids they're all kids putting it together with an adult who's guiding them but it's fun they've been recognized by steve harvey they've been recognized by idris albert that's how good oh. they are and like lots of and lots of lots of nigerians and people within the continent of africa are creating content but we need to make it more accessible we need to make communication more accessible um, buying data is expensive. Um, even, you know, access to, to the kind of phones that they require to do those things, very, very expensive. Um, the infrastructure isn't there. 
you know? Mm. Um, and, and for me, those are like two basic things. Um, if I could work like just a couple of streets away from where I live to a center that, that, that serves as a safe haven where I can express myself without judgment as a young person and create. And that, that center has got the resources that I need that I may not have at home, but that I need that is accessible to anybody despite their class, despite, you know, where their parents come from, um, that we would begin to level the, the, the playing field. Um, as regards, you know, um, access um, and making sure that even persons with disabilities um, are able to to access such infrastructure, because there are some, um, but they're not even accessible. I mean, if you have to walk four flights of stairs and you you have a physical disadvantage, how are you going to access? Um, um, creative arts or how you're going to be a part of it. So there's a lot to be done and a, a lot of those solutions I prefer in my book. And you've got a great video where they were protesting there in Lagos peacefully, but then the police came and didn't handle it very well. And this was all at one point while you were kind of coming up and trying to spread the word, you talked about how Facebook became your best friend. You were able to spread the word through social media. Uh, but yeah, basic infrastructure is a, you know, hopefully the satellite system becomes a little bit better where we can, you know, they don't have to put wires down and everything and they can have access. Uh, that, that becomes a little bit more available and less expensive to get that infrastructure going. But social media was your friend for quite a while to kind of get the message out. It was my first office. <laughs> Number one, I didn't have the money. <laughs> I was a young copywriter um, in an advertising agency. Um, so it was like, how would I put the word out? And, and the first, my first pilot was in a, um, a children's hospice. And I needed to raise funds. I needed to sell my vision. Um, and so what I did was I used what I had um, to, to, to get what I wanted. And what I had at the time that was affordable was cheap. <laughs> I didn't have to pay a dime, uh, maybe only for data, <laughs> was Facebook. Um, and so I started utilizing Facebook for, since 2007. Um, and um, I think one of the reasons why I'm also a digital marketing expert <laughs> <laughs> comes from the fact that I have built and 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 that's and that's what my book is about because it's like because I do I'm being I'm finding my being and then becoming new things every time because mm -hmm. I'm trying out new things um and so because I had a vision and I had to find a way of getting the vision out within the limited resources that I had I was being in the process of doing and, and testing, and I failed so many times, <laughs> but I probably didn't see it as failure. I saw it as a learning curve, and I built on them, and, um, and in building, I also was innovating. 
<laughs> and with innovating, I was becoming something else that has has helped me become the grassroots organizer that I am working with young people. Um, I'm in my four, early 40s now, and um, I still Come feel on. very, very vibrant and young because um, I'm, I'm up to date with a lot of what's going on and can have conversations that are enjoyable and at the same time um, that serves as a cob for young people as they evolve. Yeah, I like what, what you talk about being a copywriter when you're young. You were only of one of two women, I believe you said. Yes. Uh, and can you talk a little bit about that? How is how you know is it tough being women in the in the performing arts? Does it is there a is there an issue there? Is it is it more difficult? Is it male dominated? It is male dominated. It's still male dominated, but it's better than before. One of the programs that we run at Street Project Foundation is called Digital Amazons. Is um, my response to the challenge that I had um, whilst I was working um, full time in, in mainstream advertising, even though I still I still consult and practice, but I was usually the only 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 female in the creative department. Wow. If you found one, maybe it would be one graphic designer. Um, I, I was always the only female. Mm. Um, and so it, that also pushed me to want to, to deliver more, let's say, even if this seems to be a male-dominated field, um, I'm going to stand out. I'm going to be the best um, at what I do. Um, and one of the things that I particularly didn't appreciate was um, the fact that people talked about how hard it was to get copywriters or get the kind of human resource needed. And I was like, in a country like Nigeria, you definitely have to make room for capacity building. And it became one of my life purpose to to make sure that we strengthen the capacity of women. It's nice to teach women how to cook. It's nice to teach them how to sew. It's nice to teach them how to make soap and, and some of the things that would make them some maybe six-figure or five-figure salary um, or earnings. But for me, how can we teach women how to make seven to eight to nine-figure salaries mm. um, would be making sure they're able to break the glass ceiling as regards career jobs that are dominated by men. And so what we do with digital Amazons is that we expose um, young female creatives to photography, digital, um, digital marketing, graphics design, video editing, um, copywriting, content writing, um, storytelling, um, video creation, filmmaking, animation, um, uh, enterprise development, project management, which are very, very key um, for advertising and, 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 and the digital industry. Um, and so after we train them for a period, we then match them up um, with organizations. We currently run this with um, the Association of Advertising Practitioners of Nigeria's Women in Ad Committee, Committee of Women in Advertising, who are also focused on raising female leaders in the creative, in the, in the advertising industry. And so we train and they help us with the placements. 
Um, and, and so far, we have trained over almost 200 um, female creatives since we started in 2019. Um, so one of the things we definitely need in this regard are laptops. As simple as getting a laptop would empower um, a female creative, uh, more female creatives to get into the industry um, and, and compete with their male counterparts. Is Nigeria more advanced, the same behind other your other neighbors there in Africa? Nigeria is more advanced than most of our other um, neighbors, except for South Africa. Um, Rwanda is also coming up really quickly. Kenya is also doing well. Um, but neighbor and Ghana is also doing well. Um, but in terms of exposure, in terms of infrastructure, where <laughs> it's relative, right? <laughs> but yes, we're a bit more advanced. Yes. You know, on the on the podcast, I we you mentioned discipline before. We talk about discipline. I lost a lot of weight. People always ask me how you how did you lose it. I said, well, you know, the doctor said I'm not going to see my daughter graduate. So you know that kind of turned me around. Uh, so I, you know, focused and and got serious about it. I wonder, as a youth, as you know, when you made that stance there and, and that play during, you know, your director was, you know, scorning you. And 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 do you do you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself a disciplined person then? Do you now? Does it have a place in arts discipline? Absolutely. Um, I don't think anyone can go far without discipline. Mm. Um, one word that I usually use for my young people, which also cuts across marketing communications, is consistency. Hmm. And consistency hmm. is work. Consistency is dedication. Consistency is sacrifice. Consistency is excellence. Consistency <laughs> is no excuses. Consistency is no procrastination. And how else <laughs> can you be consistent except your discipline, except you're saying, okay, I've got like 20 things to do today. How am I going to make that happen? If I wake up in the afternoon and decide to snooze by 6 p.m., <laughs> how am I going to spend two, two hours doing 20 things? I mean, how do you do that? And then, especially if you're now a family person, you've got a husband or a wife, you've got kids, um, not only are you focused on career-related things, you're focused on also building your family and, and love, building relationships, um, and you still have to drive that career, that, that one thing, um, or, or balance them out. It requires a lot of commitment and, and, and setting out to say, this is what I want to achieve. And one of the things that I do at the beginning of every year is to reflect. Um, before I wrote the book, Doing, Being, Becoming for the Love of the Creative Arts, I was 39 thinking about my 40th birthday, which was going to be nine months away. <laughs> and I, I was like, really um, prayerfully um, also reflecting on what I wanted to do. 
Um, and the thought of writing a book then came to me. Um, and even the a, a title came to me. And immediately I started talking to um, people in my circle. This is what I'm thinking about doing. How can I get it done? Um, having a network and, and, and just staying focused on that. This is what I want to do. This is the next phase. This is what chapter 40 was going to look like. And before I even started, I didn't share with everybody. I shared with people who I know have done this before and have a certain kind of discipline and could guide me on how to make it happen. Um, and then I got introduced to the Book Creators Program which required a dedication of 10 weeks to just prepare our drafts. It was training, it was writing for three hours every day, um, a certain level of consistency. Um, and also it was a program that made you embrace who you are. So I'm, I'm kind of a last minute person. <laughs> mm. But understanding that that's that's my drive if i know if i have a deadline i think maybe working advertising also has put me in that shape i did something also today um that had been putting off for a while because i i knew that if i didn't do it i wasn't going to get it to the u.s on time and so immediately i started writing and signing off some of um the postcards that are supposed to go alongside the books that I'm sharing in the U.S. because of the crunch time. <laughs> so I knew that that was a motivation for me and understanding what are my motivations that would make me do the things that I need to do. What are the patterns that work for me? For some people, they are morning people. Some people are night people. Some people are day people. How do you structure your day to work with what what your your system aligns with you know so that at the end of the day it doesn't feel like like a job <laughs> you know but it feels like something you can do on 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 any day i'm also on a weight loss journey and um um i lost 10 kg <laughs> yes i used to be bigger than this and it's been it's a it's a long journey it's a, i i yo-yo but I've also had to like uh, uh, change my lifestyle, as in by after six, nothing enters into the stomach anymore. I allow my system rest. Mm. Um, and it takes a lot of discipline to get there to say, what's good for me? What do I want? What do I want to achieve? And when I die, what do I want people to say about me? <laughs> when I die, what footprints do I want to leave behind? Mm. Um, it's not too early or too late to think about legacy. I started thinking about legacy since I was 18 or wow. even less. Um, I know my, my parents and my siblings have said I have a, an old soul, but, mm. <laughs> but I've always thought about legacy and, um, um, and I think that is one of the things that has also driven the kind of um, discipline uh, um, uh, um, and principles that I've imbibed to, to achieve excellence and my goal. I, I love how you, you, you kind of marry discipline with consistency, dedication, excellence, 
no excuses, no procrastination. I get some pushback sometimes about how you need compassion and you need other things than discipline, but you actually combine them. You see them all under the kind of the same, almost synonyms. It's a wonderful approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially because um, I'm the creative arts also puts you in a space where um, you you also think about mental health wellness, mm. you know, um, and it also takes discipline to be able to say to yourself, "Stop, pause, reflect." Mm. <laughs> it takes a, I, I've had to do it myself because I'm such a workaholic. <laughs> mm. um, and also having loved ones who will tell you the truth. It takes discipline to be able to, to, to take hard criticism. Um, uh, it, it takes discipline to be able to, to manage your emotions. Mm. Um, because someone could say something and you're, you flare up, you're, you're all over the place and it, it then destroys maybe a relationship that you've been building. It takes discipline to introspect and ask yourself the question, what's the, what's the, the right way to approach the situation, you know, um, especially as a leader and um, when it comes to making decisions, which is one of the major things leaders have to do is to make decisions. And I talk about that in, in my book as well um, and how important it is to also have counselors around you especially when um, you're, you're hard-pressed to make a decision in a tense environment and where you're not emotionally okay. But it also it takes discipline to understand that and to say, you know what, Rita, you're not in the right frame of mind to make that decision right now. Who can you talk to who would make you see reason? Um, and asking yourself, is this the right time to make that decision? Um, is this a life or death situation? Must you make that decision now? How much information do you need to be able to make that decision? It takes some level of discipline and it doesn't, it's not, a, it doesn't just come all at once. It, it's a process. Um, it's a process. Um, I'm a student of social therapeutics. And, um, one of the things that we talk about is that, you know, the tool and the results <laughs> are together. Um, the tool and, re and the results, um, I see them as one and the same. And I think that if we see that, the rush to, 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 to reach a goal um, is, is managed effectively. Um, dashed hopes, dashed dreams, and also um, the feeling of expectations cut short. Um, would be managed when you understand the whole idea of the tool and the result in the process. That way you are able to enjoy the process of evolving to get into your destination, as opposed to being in a hurry to get to your destination. And as such, if you don't get to your destination, you're unable to think about the other directions that you can go to get into your destination, even though that the first direction or first option of getting to that point, you know, cuts off because of different reasons. Um, and it takes discipline to be able to 
um, to factor that and embrace all of that. Well said. Well said. Rita Azenwa Okoro, what motivates you? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. That's a that's a good question. Now I'm going to have to pause and um, reflect. What motivates me? Problems. Hmm. Problems. Your own? My own problems, other people's problems. Um, for some reason, when I, yeah, the societal problems, when I see a challenge or something's not right, um, there's a tendency for me to just want to fix it and start uh, trying to solve things, trying to, to strategize. Um, but seeing something isn't right in its right place or seeing that people have not attained their dreams or their purpose, um, I just want to identify the root cause of that problem and see how um, we can solve it so that people's lives are a lot better than they were before. Um, and even my life. So um, even when I think about, especially when it comes to mental health, which is very important to me because that's the only way that I, I, I can keep going. The body, the soul, and the spirit for me is very, very key um, to, to being able to achieve our goals. I'm also a very spiritual person. Um, and so finding that balance holistically um, <clears throat> helps me in, in thinking about um, in thinking about making sure that the, the, the challenges that I see within myself, um, that I'm able to deal with them. Um, that way I'm also motivated to, to help other people lift other people up as well. And this is not to say that I haven't been in a situation where, um, I, I was in a situation where I was bruised and I also had to fix other people's problems at the same time. I remember having one of what I say, um, my mentors and people I look up, look up to. And I said to her, I feel like a wounded lion and I have got to run this boot camp. And she says, just do it. Be vulnerable with them. If they cry, cry with them, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, Seeing, seeing challenges, problems, it does motivate me, interestingly, um, because I want to see people be the best versions of themselves, become the best that they can be. I want to see me become the best that I can be. And I think that motivates me every time that I, I've got to be better than the last achievement. I've got to do better. There's still more. You know, um, uh, I think it was Lois Olsman's book about the overweight brain. And every time I think about the, the overweight brain and also some analogy about the fact that the best, the best ideas are in the grave um, speaks a lot about mm. how much <laughs> of, of the human brain is not utilized. 
Um, and so when people say you can only be one thing, why just focused on one thing? I've never been one who believes in that school of thoughts. I believe that you can be whatever and whoever you want to be at any age, at any time of your life. You just have to put your heart to it. And I, I've seen that, you know, Joey, even with your story, you know, golf, music, um, so many things that you are into, comedy, I mean, and podcasting. I mean, that's what becoming is all about. Um the, the the day you say you have become is the day you die, you know, mm. <laughs> because we're constantly evolving. And so you're reaching a climax at a stage in, in, in one stage in your life. You're picking up, you're beginning another, on a new phase um, and baby steps in another phase and you're evolving in that as well. So whatever that is, pick it up, motivate yourself, achieve be the best that you can be. And that mo motivates me as well. Oh, how, how wonderful, how wonderful that is. Uh, and, and I share the, the, the idea of the school, how when you lift others, it lifts yourself. You know, the, my greatest joy is when my friends are doing well and they're healthy and they're thriving because I'm with them and I'm part of that as well. And if we could just look at that as a society and stop you know, we have some ideas, you know, people with different ideas can still talk and we could still be friends and we can still, uh, you know, thrive together. And the discipline of all that is, um, is needed. And, you know, once we're all lifted, once we help each other lift, we help ourselves. Ah, take a deep Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. There's, there is, um, the zone of proximal development that Vygotsky talks about, um, which really talks about the fact that, you know, when, when, when someone gets to a point where um, they do not know how to um, achieve that, they need somebody to lift them up, um, to teach them, to build them, um, to be, to, to, to become effective, to perform effectively. Um, and all of us need help at any point in time. There are certain things that I need someone's support so that I can achieve my goal. And I find myself in that position where I'm constantly looking for zones of proximal development, which I also sometimes call learning opportunities, especially when I'm with my young people. And it could just be a performance. And I see that they're making a mistake. And I, I mentioned this in my book about a young girl who just wanted to quit because she, she felt that, you know, someone said something to her um, while she wanted to be leader of, of, of the group. And he said, oh, give her vice president. She's a girl. And she decided to quit because she was angry. And for me, that was a point of a, a zone of proximal development, a, a teachable moment for young people. And everybody needs that. Um, I, everybody needs to always find that opportunity where you can lift others up so that they are constantly developing and evolving. How do you measure success, Rita? 
Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Because um, I could do all that I do. Um, and if I do not have rest on the inside, mm. you know, it isn't worth it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I could have all the money in the world. Mm. And if I am not at peace with myself, at peace with God, at peace with the people around me. Um, you know, I have the uh, an amazing husband, <laughs> but if I'm not at peace with myself, the house is going to go <laughs> upside down. The energy, the energy in the home will change, you know. But when there's peace and there's joy and there's love, Mm. Oof. That's, that's success. And so all that we do is to make sure there's peace in the world, there's love, there's joy, there's happiness in the world. Um, that motivates us to, to create and keep creating um, uh, what makes our lives better, what makes our lives enjoyable. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. An absolute joy. I was so excited when you accepted this and I was so excited when you accepted it and thanks for staying up late. I know it's late there in Lagos. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, how can we get in touch with you? How can we get your book? We'll put show notes in it, but please, how can we get in touch with you? Where can we get your book? Great. My book is available on Amazon, on Kobo, um, and my distributors are Ingram Spark, um, also available in Bands and Noble. And um, the easiest way to also access my book is just visiting my website, www.onlinewithrio.com. And there are many all, all, all other goodies besides my book on that website as well. <laughs> It's a wonderful website. You've got great videos. And by the way, Rio is Rita Zenwa Okoro. It's just R-E-O. That's right. so that's, R-E-O, uh, yes. R-E-O, yes. We'll put that yeah. in the show notes. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I look forward to maybe one day having a cup of coffee with you and your husband and me and my partner. If we can all face-to-face, -face, that would be wonderful. But please keep, what you're, keep on doing what you're doing. And uh, I hope we get to eventually meet. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Joey. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You be well. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that.
Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pin's Discipline Conversation.